stand to your feet. We're going to read Matthew chapter 28. By show of hands, this is not admitting that you're crazy. It's just admitting, uh, well, how many of you like conspiracy theories? Just, just, we're not admitting to anything. I do. I, I like a good conspiracy theory. Now, if you like a conspiracy theory, that doesn't make you crazy. If you propagate one, that makes you crazy. Yeah, just because you like a conspiracy, oh yeah, I like that. That sounds like it could be true. That's not a problem. When you start saying, hey dude, this is the truth, then you're crazy. Check your neighbor beside you and say, hey, you do that every now and then. I'm going to start watching you. Start watching you, Area 51. Matthew chapter 28, the greatest conspiracy theory of all time. We're going to read about this morning. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 15. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, grabbed clasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. When the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If the report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And the story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray that it would transform our lives. That resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead flows out of this word. It's power in the word of God. At your word, everything we know was made. At your word, cancer has been healed. At your word, relationships have been restored. At your word, addictions have been broken. And so we ask this morning that that same power, the sound of your word today would change us. Make us different than we came. Make us more powerful than we came in. For your glory and your honor, we do this. Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. A good conspiracy theory is fun. I, I, watched, I watched those shows. I, I like it. Um, I like a good conspiracy theory. I, I, I just, um, I, I admit there's so many things up here that I shouldn't, but um, I, uh, we, we watched a, a show, a TV show, we don't have cable, we just have Netflix. We're part of that new generation. 
uh, I watched a show a couple years back, maybe a year or two years back. Uh, it was a conspiracy theory show where, every, where there was, uh, they called it a machine. It was a computer program, and it knew, every, it knew every camera, and it could see everything all the time. We have new security cameras in the building. They're watching. And uh, uh, sad to say that I'm watching it again. Like not in a week. There's a lot of seasons, maybe two weeks. No. But I just like the idea of a good conspiracy theory. I, I just think it's fun. I don't propagate them because, like I said before, that would make you crazy. Um, I don't running around saying, hey, the government's watching you. Everybody knows that. We don't have to say it. silly as sounds. Easter Sunday morning, the women, if you read all the gospels, you get the big picture of how it happened. Matthew has his, has his version. Uh, it's not incorrect or, 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 or anything else. When you read the other gospels, you'll, you'll, you'll read some different things. And what you have to remember is it's, it's different people's point of view about how things should happen. If you tell a story, not tell a story, we're going to, we're going to emphasize different aspects of that same story. So don't get caught up when you read Mark and Luke and John and you, and you see different things in it. They're not contradicting each other. They're, they're actually just weaving the story in their own words. And so Matthew points out that there was an angel. As the women were going that morning, an angel like that was dressed like, he shone like lightning. I don't know if you ever stared at lightning before. That's pretty bright. And it, his clothes were bright, brilliant white. And when he hit the ground, caused an earthquake. I don't know about you, but that's impressive. He caused an earthquake. It rolls a stone away from the front of the tomb. And the guards who had been positioned there fainted. It says they were terrified to the point where they were like dead men. It seems to me that immediately after this happens, the women show up to the tomb and, and the angel is inside the tomb and they, they poke their head and he says, hey, come in here and look. The Jesus that you're looking for resurrected just like he said. Now go and tell, tell all the disciples, tell the brothers. Matthew records that they meet Jesus along the way. In other gospels, you see how that plays out. And they're so excited to meet him. Jesus says the things, same things, go tell them. To meet me. While the women left, the guards wake up. Could you imagine? Waking up after an, an actual angel came and caused an earthquake. I can imagine them waking up going, dude, I don't even know what happened, but we are in trouble. I, I mean, this, could you imagine? Same guards that knew that a physical body had been put in that tomb the same guards that had seen physically an angel come down. Same trained, strong men that fainted in panic because they realized there was no defense. There was no stopping what was getting ready to happen. They were helpless and they, I think they just passed out. I, I, I've passed out before. It's crazy. I've only passed out once. It was in the gym. I wasn't even doing anything. Just get to that age, you walk in, you're just like. <laughs> it was a couple years ago, passed out. I remember looking up at the trainer guy. Somebody conned us into getting a trainer. 
If you ever get a trainer, if you ever recommend anybody get a trainer, it's like they're saying, you're a little chubby. And I think this guy could help. So I go in there and I I pass out. I remember thinking, I'm not going to be able to stop this. And the guy looked at me and said, whoa, you're really pale. And I was like, I remember physically thinking to myself, I'm not going to be able to stop this. And I can imagine the guards standing there that day going, powerless to stop any of this from happening. The earth shakes, the, the stone rolls away, and there's no body. There's no body, but there's no body. So, um, so as the women leave, there's so much excitement. They're, they're half scared, half excited, half confused, and they, they intersect Jesus on the way. And he confirms physically that he has, they're able to clasp his feet, grasp his feet, the Bible says. But what's happening in the meantime is the guards wake up and they realize that they're going to have to tell the story. They're going to have to give an account for what happened. So you can imagine the conversation on the way back to the high priest. Dude, you're telling him. I'm not telling him. I told him last time. I told him last time something crazy happened. You made me tell it. Now, this is the craziest thing that's ever been crazy. And you're telling him. I'm not telling him. They get in front of the high priest and they say, listen, we're doing what we do. And, uh, and this guy that looked like lightning hit the ground, earthquake. It was the most terrifying thing we'd ever seen. We passed out. We fainted in fear. Now the Bible says that the, that the high priest gathered together with the elders And they were able to concoct a story almost immediately. That's fascinating to me. Almost immediately, they concoct a story. They say, okay, listen, here's the way it's going to work out. You're going to tell everybody that you were sleeping. Could you imagine a good Jewish guard going, dude, I'm not saying that. uh, Jimmy can say he's sleeping. I was up the whole night. Matter of fact, Jimmy has slept on night watches. And I stay up covering for him because he's tired all the time. He's got a wife, nags him all the time. He just can't, he can't. It's Easter, I should be nice. And, and it's just, he can't. Jimmy could say he's fall to sleep, fell, fell asleep. I'm not saying it. And they're like, no, no, no. This is the story you're going to tell. You're going to keep your mouth shut about what happened and you're telling this story. And it says they paid them a great sum of money to propagate the conspiracy theory. They paid him. They said, keep your mouth shut, take the money, and just tell the story. Take the money and just tell the story. That's all you have to do. Take the money, tell the story. And by the way, if Pilate finds out about it, we'll cover for you. Now, I want you to think, in any of those circumstances, these guys would be done. But in order to, in order to steal the power away from the resurrection, they were, they were willing to accept less than stellar behavior from the guards in order to steal the power that had just hit the earth. So what happens is the, the guards propagate the story. I'm, I'm amazed sometimes at how quick the devil is to come up with a conspiracy theory when God does something good in your life. Man, he's quick on it, isn't he? I, if you're like me... Um, there's been times in my life where something good has happened to me and, th- and then I start to second guess it just like that. Anybody else? 
and they're like something good will happen to you. Anybody ever been around somebody that, that you'll say, man, today's going good. They go, don't say that, man. Oof. Don't, don't say that. Don't say that. Well, why wouldn't I say it's going good? No, no, no. You'll jinx it. What, what do you mean jinx it? What, you don't ever acknowledge that things are happening well, because as soon as you acknowledge it, then it's going to go, it's going to Heard people say, if I don't have bad luck, I don't have any luck at all, right? You know what I started doing? I started realizing, in my life, I'm just going to recognize if it's good, it came from God. Like a ribeye. You, guys, you feel me on that? Like a ribeye. Just sit down at the table. You're going to bless my food? I'm going to just thank God for this big piece of meat. Like, he already blessed it. Look at it. It's like medium rare. It's got a little bit of crust on the outside. That dude knew what he was doing. It's already blessed. I'm thanking him, Lord. All good things come from above, including this meat. But sometimes good things happen to you. It's the blessing of God in your life. And the devil steps right in with a conspiracy theory. Oh, you just got lucky. You just got lucky. that That wasn't a blessing from God. That wasn't God healed you. You weren't that sick. That wasn't, that wasn't the hand of God. You were overblowing the situation. It wasn't God doing anything. You were, you were, and what the enemy will do is as soon as something miraculous happens, he steps in really quick. It's almost like immediate. He wants to make sure that the power doesn't take hold. Matter of fact, Jesus told a parable about that, the the sower of the seed. He said, you'll, you'll, it's like, It's like good seed gets thrown out in all these areas, but what happens is the enemy will come in over and over again and try to, and try to just stop it from germinating almost immediately because the high priest, the high priest, the chief priest knew that, that if the, if the evidence would get out, that there was that much power to raise a man from the dead who, by the way, proclaimed that that's what would happen then it'd be too late to stop the story. See, the enemy knows that if you, if you will acknowledge on a regular basis, there's a blessing of God in my life. He has saved me, redeemed me, set me free. And I give all credit to God. I give, all, I give him all the honor and the glory and the evidence is, is right here in my life. If he lets that get a foothold in your life, he knows he's done. But if he can start a conspiracy theory day one, God doesn't love you that much. It, it's not, it's, d- 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 don't, don't, think, don't think that he did this to you. You just got lucky. You were just born into the right circumstance. You were just, you were just this, you were just that. And so he's convinced us enough of it that we don't ever believe it anymore. We just think it, it's coincidence. I hate that word. Coincidence. What does it mean? Well, it just randomly happened. No, I don't think there's anything that randomly happens. I think, I, I think like, like Job did when he says, no plan of yours can be thwarted. That God sets his plan in motion and, and it can't be messed with. So you're sitting here on a Sunday morning. By the way, it's Easter, just in case you're wondering why I had a tie on. <laughs> you're sitting here on a Sunday morning and you're going, you know what? I don't know about this. I don't know about this. You're sitting in the very thing that I'm talking about, that the goodness of God is all around us, that just the, just the idea that we're meeting here today, 
And the people that worked on the building still like each other. And they're still coming to church here. Sometimes I have to be reminded, all through this process, I had to be reminded, God would put people in my path and he would say, Chris, Chris, that is, I don't know, I don't know anybody else could pull that. I don't know any other church could pull that off. And I'd have to be reminded about the miracle that's happening. Because Satan would come in and say, hey, it's just a bunch of people working hard. That's all it is. Just a bunch of people working hard. And then we never failed an inspection. And I thought, I know good contractors that fail inspections. Yeah. And then I told him last week, we had our occupancy permit and two of my contracting buddies that build custom, beautiful, unbelievable custom homes looked at me and said, how'd you get that? How did you get it that quick? I went, I don't know. God likes me more than you. And he had to remind me over and over again because the devil will step in as soon, as soon as the goodness of God comes to touch your life. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not the reason that's happening. That's not the reason that's happening. It's not, it's not because he loves you. It's not because he died for you. It's not because there's resurrection. It's not because don't you believe that. And what we end up doing is we end up giving the conspiracy theory legs because we entertain it. You know, I don't, God couldn't love me that much not to do something that good. God couldn't love me that much not to keep me like God, 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 it doesn't make any sense why you would do that to me. And so the devil's really quick to step in. He's really quick to get you to believe something else. He wants, he wants you as soon as the power of God comes into your life, he wants to make sure he puts a reason in there, his own reason. He wants you to become familiar with the wrong story. The only issue is, is I find out, um, any good liars in here? No, that's, you don't have to raise your hand. Um, here's, here's what I found out about a good liar. I'm not a good liar because I don't think, I don't think back far enough. Now you know who I'm talking about. That person in your life that can make up a lie and have 10 years of backstory, like instantly. I was never good at that. Uh, my dad caught me one time. I was out with some friends. I shouldn't have been out. And, and uh, somehow, this was back before cell phones. Somebody say amen for a simpler life. Back before cell phones at every, every, every convenience store, every, uh, every place had a pay phone. And... Um, my dad caught me one night. I went to spend the, friend, spend the night at a friend's house. And how many of you know when you're spending the night at a friend's house, it's their parents' rules that matter? I know it ain't either. <laughs> so we went out, and uh, I thought he had told his mom where we were going, but evidently that wasn't the rules in his house. We just left. I didn't know. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm on your rules today. So we went out. We are doing things we shouldn't do. And, um, and uh, my, dad, my dad called his mom asking for something ridiculous to talk to me about. How many of you know God ain't gonna let you get that far? So this random phone call about something random that my dad wanted to talk to me about. And she says, I don't know where they are. If there's any time that woman could have lied, it'd have been right there. 
It had been right there. So we're at Hardy's in Inwood. Back in the 90s, that's where you hung out in Inwood, at Hardy's. That, it's not there anymore. It brings a little tear to my eye. But that's where you hung out. There were no cell phones. So, so his mom says, hey, they might be down at Hardy's. My dad calls Hardy's. The dude I was with worked at Hardy's. The manager picks up the phone, comes out and says, hey, that guy's dad's looking for him. I thought I was cool up until that moment. And all the other people were like, oh, time to cut the party off in the parking lot. His dad's coming down here. So I go out to the payphone and I call him on the payphone. And he says, where are you? Now, the Martinsburg Mall had just opened up. Some of you are like, there was a mall in Martinsburg? The Martinsburg Mall just opened up. And um, I panicked. I'm not a good liar. He said, where are you? Like Hardee's was a bad place to be. I said, I'm at the mall. No backstory. I got nothing. I just first thing, I'm at the mall. And he goes, stay there. I'm coming to get you. And I went, uh, 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 I'm in Hardy's in what he said, you already lied to me once, boy. <laughs> yep, sure did. Man, I got rung up that night, trust me. I was never good at making a backstory. Satan is. Satan's good at making a backstory. Any good lie needs a cover story. Because we... You're going to dig into it a little bit. You need a cover story. The fascinating part about this story is there was a cover story already in place. The reason the guards were there in the first place was the cover. So if you flip back to the chapter before, Matthew 27, starting in verse 62, it says, The next day, one of the, prep, on the, after, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. You see, the devil is paying attention to the promises of God on your life. He can hear them too. They say, this guy said he was going to rise again on the third day. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. You see, the cover story was already in place before they needed it. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Listen, if you do a little research about this, these were, these were Jewish guards, temple guards that went. Pilate, if you remember, washed his hands of this whole issue. He said, I don't want anything to do with it. You gonna crucify this guy? I don't know. I can't find any reason. I'm going to wash my hands of it. Then they come back to him after they've crucified him. And they said, hey, this guy has claimed that he's going to rise again on the third day. And we need to make sure. We believe it's bogus. You see, the first thing Satan tells you is that, no, it's not going to happen. It'll never happen. But then I'm going to create a story so that just in case it does happen. So he says, they say, can you, can we put guards? See, they had to get permission to do everything from the Romans. So the, so he says, yeah, whatever, take your guys. We're not putting any energy in this. If you're so afraid that this guy's gonna raise again on the third day, if you're so afraid that somebody's gonna come steal his body, post your guards there, it's fine. Whatever you wanna do. 
I don't want anything to do with this. So they post Jewish guards on the tomb and they seal it. You know, the trouble with our lives sometimes is that Satan's backstory started a long time ago, didn't it? It might've started when you were a teenager and you couldn't do anything right. It might've started in your early 20s and you just never seemed to get it on track. It might've started where you, where you made some mistakes and your dad had to pick you up from Hardee's. <laughs> the funny part about that story is I wasn't drunk, but it got around the school that I was drunk. And so I ended up being cooler than I thought I would have been. <laughs> True story. That is a true story. Chris was at Hardy's throwing up and his parents had to come get him. I'm like, I'll roll with that. (laughs) I wasn't saved necessarily at that time. (laughs) But the backstory that Satan has written about you is not true. I'm going to say that again. The backstory that Satan has written about you is not true. I know, I know that there's been a setup in your life, in a lot of you, where you think, after all that I've done, he can't love me. After all that I've, all the trouble I've caused, after all that I've wrecked, after, after nobody loved me, there's no way he can love me, nobody else has loved me. After the relationships, after the, after everything that has happened, there's no way that any of this could be true. And what Satan has done is he's, he's woven He's woven this really intricate backstory so that when you start to get close to God, he reminds you, hey, listen, that's not what you think it is. And by the way, the story already, there's too much to overcome. There's too much to overlook. There's no way any of this can happen because all of this that has already happened. You see, the reason why the high, the the chief priests and the elders could come up with a story so quick is because they had already written it. So a lot of times in our lives, what's happened is, is that when God invites us to come close to him and experience him, what happens is all he's doing is reminding us of what he's already written. Satan doesn't have to work a long time to come up with a lie because he's already embedded it. He's already been fabricating. He's already worked on it for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. He's already convinced you of it. So when the goodness of God decides to jump into your life, he goes, no, 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 remember Remember, we got an agreement that you're not worth it. Remember that story we've been telling about how nothing ever good happens in your life. Remember that story that no relationships ever work in your life. Remember that story about how you can't trust anybody. Remember that story. We've been working on that story a long time. You can't abandon it now. One good thing from God, you can't abandon the story now. And he reminds us of it over and over and over again. And you know the old saying, if you say a lie enough, it becomes the truth. Verse 15 says, so the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. You know, Matthew was written about 70 years after the death of Christ. 70 years. You know, the, the chief priests and the elders were, were successful at one thing, being able to propagate the story being able to propagate the story. They were pretty successful. 70 years after the death of Christ, Matthew is writing that they're still telling the same story. Hey, you remember Jesus resurrected? No, no, no. I heard a different version of that. I heard the disciples stole his body. So 70 years. Maybe maybe your family is, is, is caught in one of those stories. 
And Satan has done a good job of propagating it. If I didn't have bad luck, nothing ever good happens to us. It's always difficult. It's always trouble. It's always, it's always, it's always. And we've just bought into the lie and bought into the story. And we, we become the crazy people that are telling our own conspiracy theory. If you don't mind, in our just a few more minutes together, if you don't mind, I'd like to break that today, if you don't mind. Because as, as good as the chief priests were at planning the backstory, as good as they were at following through with the conspiracy, as good as they were with telling the story, they didn't expect something. They didn't expect something. You know, the Bible tells me that God is a God that we, that we can experience. Right? God is a God that we can experience. It's like going to a, a taste testing. Not, not wine. That's, it's church. Let's say, it's cheese. Let's say cheese. Shoot, wine and cheese go together. Let's say... Here's what, here's what Satan is hoping you'll, you'll do. You'll go to a taste test and you'll, you'll believe somebody else's version of what you're eating. Now watch. Anybody ever been to a taste test? You put it in your mouth and the really smart person up front that's supposed to know so much about food, they're like, if you'll, if you'll just put it around in your mouth, in your, sorry, in your palate a little bit, you'll you'll start to notice the fragrant tones of flowers and berries. I'm like, dude, this tastes like cheese with a little bit of bacon. I don't don't get it. I can taste a hint of smoked pork in here. I I I don't get the flowers. Let me swish it over to the right side of my mouth and see if the flowers start coming. No, still bacon. Okay, watch this. Satan wants you to believe what somebody else is telling you about what you're experiencing. I told you earlier, I just started believing in my life that if something good happened, it was because God did it. It's something good. I started telling my kids, all good things come from above. That's scripture. If it's good in our life, it's because God put good in our life. If it's a blessing, if it's a tangible blessing you can put your hand on, you better thank God above because he's the one that allowed it to happen. If it's a, if it's a physical blessing, you better thank God above because he's the one that let it happen. If it's, a, if it's an emotional blessing, like I don't get freaked out like everybody else gets freaked out, then it's a blessing from above. I don't need your version of what God is doing in my life. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't have to tell me a story about what's happening to me. That's the problem. That's the problem. The problem is God is is an experiential God. He's not a God that you experience from the sidelines or from way behind. He's a God that invites you into himself. Even all the way back in the Old Testament, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He doesn't say, let everybody else eat it and tell you what it's like. No, put the ribeye in your mouth. 
Dude, they got good ribeyes. I believe you. No, 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 no. You need to go eat one. No, I believe you. No, no. I can't describe for you how good this ribeye is. Now, I will argue that if you get it well done, you ruin the blessing of God in your life. Amen. Just ruined it. How'd your Easter go? They clapped for the meat joke. It was great. Guys are so easy. So watch this. Watch this. If Satan can qualify what you're experiencing, then he wins every time. So what the chief priests and the leaders didn't realize is what is, was that Jesus would be revealing himself to people. You see, the lie about you works until God reveals himself to you. The lie about you works, that you're unlovable, that you've done too much bad, that there's no way it's going to work out. All that works until you experience the power of God. Nowhere in scripture does it say, just believe what you've heard. Just believe what you've heard. No, it says, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. It says, come to the Lord and you will experience his goodness. The thing about taste buds is I can't use yours. I got to use my own. And so I know you have your experience with God and I'm so thankful for that. I am so thankful that you have an experience with God, but I need mine. I need mine because when Satan comes to me with the backstory and the lie and the cover up and the conspiracy theory over and over again, me telling your story isn't going to help, but me telling my story is the one that's going to make me an overcomer. Amen. So what happens is the chief priest did not count on Jesus revealing himself to people. He said, we got this story long locked down. We paid the guys enough to just say what they need to say. Everybody's going to say the same thing. Ready? Break. Everybody says the same thing. And it seemed like to them, maybe this will work. Just tell the same thing. Just tell the same thing. Just tell the same thing. And then Jesus walks through a locked door. Oh, man. Okay, they stole his body, but the stole, stole his body doesn't account for that he's now walking and talking. We still got to figure out how he's showing up to everybody. Just keep telling the same story. You're not worth it. It's all a lie. He doesn't love you. You'll never make it. You'll never amount to anything. Everything you've touched has just, it, it, you break it. Everything, never, it never works. Your kids aren't going to respect everything until he walks through the locked door. Now watch what happens. This is one of my favorite portions of scripture. I've preached this here before. An experience is always greater than a story. How, how many older saints do we have in here? You got some experience under your belt. Come on, raise your hand. Some of you show it, your hair or lack of it. And, um, you know, it's turning colors and certain things hurt that didn't hurt before. All that is experience. It's the new sexy. It's experience, right? 
It's experience. Don't you love it when somebody 40 years younger than you comes and says, hey man, this is how you do it. (laughs) Well, how do you know that? Well, I watched a YouTube video and I seen a guy do it. (laughs) Son, I don't even know how to get on YouTube, but I can tell you that ain't the way you do it. Well, how do you know? Because I've done it. Listen, I get really worn out with people telling other people's stories. But I can sit in front of somebody all day long who's got experience. I love sitting in front of my granddad's getting ready to turn 90 years old. We're having a birthday party for him this coming Saturday. I love sitting in front of him. You know why? First-hand experience. Korean War, World War II, Korean War. And I sit in front of him, I wanna hear it from the guy. I wanna hear it from the guy who's been married 65 years. I wanna hear it from the guy. I don't wanna hear somebody else's version of his story. See, if I told his story, it'd be a version of his story. I'd rather hear it right from the guy who experienced it. Watch this. John chapter 20, starting verse 24. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're gonna end with this. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. He walked through the locked door the first time. Thomas wasn't there. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. You know what Thomas says? Good for you. Good for you. I'm glad that you saw the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. Verse 26, a week later, one week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was along with him. Though the doors were still locked, the first encounter says the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. They're still locking the doors. Thomas is now with them. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. You know, he said, calm down, man. Then he looked at Thomas. He said to Thomas, and I need you to understand something. The God who spoke the universe into existence, whose words in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and, and all things were created by him and nothing without. It's the word of God, the power. He made it available to us so that we could experience him. Jesus told the disciples before he ascended, you stay in Jerusalem so you can receive this power. It's this miraculous power that raised Christ from the dead. He said, it's available to us. And I don't want you to hear stories of it. I want you to experience it for yourself. Because if you just hear a story, the devil can come in with a conspiracy theory and ruin the whole deal. But I'll show up to you in a way that no story could ever cover for it. I'll show up to you in a way that no cover story would ever make sense. I'll show up to you so powerfully that if anybody says it's not true, you won't believe him. So he's dead and resurrects. He's come into the room once. The disciples look at Thomas and say, man, we saw it. And he goes, I, good for you. But if I'm going to base my life off of this power, I got I to gotta see him for myself. And you know what God did? He said, okay, we can make that happen. A week later, they're in the room again locked. Jesus, without a lock pick, walks right in the door looks at Thomas and he says, hey, Thomas, come here. 
I know you heard a story about me and I know you were wondering if it was true, but I got something for you, Thomas, here. There's a real nail prince. That's where it went through right there. You want to touch it? Come on. Come on, touch the resurrected power. Then he says, see this, see this in my side where they stabbed me? Put your hand in it. It's real. It's real. I know, I know the story that's been propagated. I know you're confused. I know you're not sure. I know all these things, but I want you to experience me today in a way that will override any story ever told. And if there's anything I wish for your life this morning is that you'd experience God in a way and his power in a way that no matter what the enemy tells you when you leave here, no matter what he tells you uh, when you go to work on Monday, when, no matter what he tells you about your relationships, about your addiction, no matter what he tells you, that on Easter Sunday morning, 2019, you'd experience God in such a way that it didn't matter what story anybody else was trying to say. You said, wait a second, I experienced it for myself. I tasted and saw that the Lord was good and there's nothing that can convince me otherwise. Amen? So listen, church, the Lord himself is here. Death could not hold him. Death could not hold him this morning. And so there's no story out there that can keep him from touching you if you will let him. If you will let him, if you'll respond to his call this morning, he'll, he'll dispense a power on you that you cannot deny. He'll dispense freedom on you that you cannot deny. Forgiveness on you that you cannot deny. And he said he'd change us. So we're going to pray like that. Come on, lift your eyes to him. That's where your help's coming from right now. That's where the power's coming from. Lord, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus that that same Jesus that was crucified for our sins, the most miraculous power to ever touch the earth, raised him from the dead. And it's available to us. Lord, we cast out every doubt. We cast out every fear. We cast out every falsehood that's been told about us. Lord, that we believed about us. We are your children. Lord, you have called us to experience you. You have called us to meet you this morning, Lord. You've called us to embrace the power that you have for us today. And we pray, Lord, that you touch us this morning, in this moment, in such a way that would wipe away everything else that would wipe away every lie, that would wipe away every doubt, Lord. Lord, we pray for a Thomas experience on Easter, Lord, that we, without a shadow of a doubt, know that we've known you, that we experience you, God. We thank you for this moment. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church, lift him up, lift him up. Give him praise and honor. Come on, he's doing a good thing this morning, amen. Amen. Come on, praise him a little more like it's Easter. He's worthy of it. He's meeting you here today. Amen. Hey, listen, you can be generous on your way out. We got another service coming in. Grab a donut and a soda. And we will see you back here next week.